Greetings, Reggae Uprising podcast family, and welcome to another episode. Now, if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast, it is all about connecting the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspirational stories, all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. So each and every Wednesday, we feature a new guest who shares their works, wisdom, and seven reggae selections to act as the soundtrack to their journey. If you haven't already subscribed to Reggae Uprising Podcast, please do so now wherever you are listening. As you well know, we're available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify. But the best place for you to subscribe is, is via Daniil.live. So that is www.daniel.live. If you subscribe there, we can guarantee we'll never lose the connect. So hence why I say Daniil.live is the best place to subscribe. That link is also in the description as well for you to click on. For those that have subscribed and have been subscribing for a while, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for sharing these works. Thank you for your beautiful comments, for the love that you've been sharing with Reggae Uprising podcast. This is the reason why these works are done. We have a whole archive of over three years worth of works, of listening to stories from brothers and sisters, of wisdom, of knowledge, and up for high vibrations of these wonderful reggae artists as well to uplift you on your day. So anytime you're feeling, you know, you need that little bit of an upliftment, you need that little bit of positivity, you can go back and listen to any of these episodes And I'm sure, I'm sure they will inspire and empower you on your own journey. After connecting with the Black Cultural Archives, inviting a representative to feature on the show, Reggae Uprising Podcast received this response. Sorry, we are unable to participate on this occasion. Our team are currently overloaded with preparations for the Windrush 75th anniversary and so unable to accommodate your request at this time. Members of the team also felt they did not have enough knowledge of the reggae genre to be an appropriate guest. They then forwarded the show's invitation to one of their interns, which is how this week's guest came to be on the show. We're going to get started with this week's guest's first selection, which is Too Experienced by Barrington Levy. She aged the sight of me Because that turned her off her down She always saying we were meant to be Somehow she thought I'd be her class this is what I said I'm too experienced to be taking for a stroll Too experienced for someone to rock and roll I'm too experienced to be taking for rides And I know it's not my foolish pride This week's guest is radio DJ on Tough Radio Station and a music PhD student at Royal Holloway University of London, researching how Roots Reggae impacts on the environmental thinking of UK listeners of Caribbean heritage. I would like to welcome Carmen Andal Woodruff. Greetings and welcome. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Can you tell us, before we get into your interview, why you chose that first selection that we just heard, please? Yeah, so that first track is kind of my first memory of being kind of obsessed with a reggae track. I remember we had this reggae compilation on CD that we got from Woolworths um, and we just had it on repeat in the car. This is one of the tracks that was on it and the whole compilation just made me really happy and I associated it with summers in my childhood. You know, I think music is so good at making us remember things like smells and tastes and hearing sounds it can take us right back into a moment um 
so yeah I love hearing about other people's music memories um and that's why I chose this one because yeah I have a really strong memory with it so Reggae Uprising podcast is all about sharing our heritage so please can you share your heritage with all of us yeah, sure. So I was born in London, in North East London. Um, my father is from the north of England and my mum is from Grenada. Um, and we have some family in Trinidad as well. So can you tell us a little bit more about your parents? You, you talked about what, like, what was their meeting? How did that come to be? So they both met in Madrid, which is why I have a Spanish name. Um, they were both teaching English um, in adult education. Um, yeah, in the 90s. Um, they met in, at the same school and they, yeah, they moved back back to England. They settled in London. And yeah, that's how I, how I came about. I'm an only child. Um, yeah, so it's just three of us. And in terms of your mother's upbringing, you know, about Grenada, what has she shared with you about that culture and about that side of your heritage? Yeah, so she she was actually born in West London, but I grew up with a lot of her side of the family and they all shared a, a really big passion for music. I grew up playing steel pan. Um, my mum's sister was also a big pan player. Um so yeah, music has always been, music and food has always been a big part of kind of how, yeah, what, what I've learned about my heritage, definitely. And so many stories, so many stories from my family about growing up in Grenada and Trinidad and um, yeah, just great stories that were shared like over the dinner table on a Sunday. Um, yeah, that's kind of been it. Would you be able to share one of those with us? Oh, um, well, I had a very, very naughty great aunt um, and she would always share stories about getting in trouble in her, as she, when she grew up in, in Grenada, she was always teasing people and yeah, so stuff like that always made me laugh. So, you know, your grandparents, your mum's parents, did you ever get to hear about their story, how, you know, your mum ended up being in the UK? Yeah, definitely. So my granddad first came to the country, I guess, I think the mid-1950s. Um, and then my grandma came shortly afterwards. And it was kind of like the classic Caribbean migration story. He worked for uh, TFL and she worked as a nurse. Um and yeah, they moved to West London and they, they basically stayed there for, yeah, for decades and decades. And did they ever share any of their experiences with you regarding, you know, what it was like for them first coming to the UK, you know, and and what the, the culture was like, the differences in culture between Grenada and here? Yeah, um, I guess my granddad shared a lot about his, his work experiences and kind of facing racism in the workplace amongst his colleagues, but also kind of systematically kind of not being put forward for promotions all the time. Um, yeah, so he shared, he shared a lot of memories about that. He also shared a lot of memories about kind of housing and how he struggled to, to find housing. And in the end, he, you know, he saved up enough money to put down a mortgage somewhere with a lot of rooms and he would rent them out to family who were just coming over or family who had been here and, and close friends um, and that's kind of a house that that um, yeah I grew up around at the weekends um, so yeah he, he shared a lot of memories definitely again he was a big storyteller so can you remember any of those, um, I don't know, folk tales from Grenada that maybe you were told when you were younger? I didn't really, no, I didn't really hear many folk tales. It was more just stories of their own experiences, um, yeah, in the country and back home. Um, to be honest, a lot of the kind of stories that my granddad told me were quite like, were about Britain and you know he had a really colonial education he left school quite early but still you know he would memorize um 
like old English poems and things like that because that's the stuff that he was learning at school and that's the stuff that stuck with him for decades yeah so moving on to your mum did she share her experiences growing up in the UK you know um with her parents you know the her parents coming over um, to a brand new country and then, you know, her being born here, what that was like for her. Did she share any of that experience with you? Um, she de- she definitely has done, yeah. She um, she talked about her schooling sometimes. A lot of the stuff that she said, shared with me are kind of musical memories as well. Um, you know, she grew up in a time where there was a lot of Caribbean music in the UK, um, big artists that she would see the waivers and and yeah artists like that um so yeah she shared she shared a lot so you mentioned earlier about your granddad having quite a colonial education Mm. did your mum share with you her education story was it similar to your granddad's or completely different what was that like for her no, she yeah, she went to a school in West London, um, and I think I mean it sounds like a similar experience to to, to kind of what I had. Um, I think although I think it was a grammar school and um, quite strict, but you know she 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 enjoyed it. She she stayed in education. She she's always been a teacher, same as my dad. So yeah, um, um, I think that's it. Kind of runs in the family, like passion for education, definitely. Now, in terms of Grenada, have you been to Grenada? Has your mum been to Grenada? Have you ventured back over there? And did your did your grandparents decide to settle in the UK or did they go back to Grenada in the end? Yeah, so actually I found out recently that they had planned on going back, I think, in the mid-70s to Grenada. Um, and my granddad took a trip out there, um, but there was... Obviously, it was before the revolution and there was a lot of kind of, yeah, unrest and, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a great, great island to, to raise children on at the time, I think, in terms of, you know, work and, and, and housing and things like that. So, so they, you know, when they first came, that was their initial plan to make money here and then return. Um, but in the end the timing wasn't right and I ended up staying um I think they went back regularly ever so often I've been a couple of times um we used to go at Christmas sometimes for a couple of weeks and yeah I have so many good memories of good food you know it's such a green island it's such a hilly island um yeah it's a it's really special a really special place yeah so you talked there about the revolution in Grenada. For any of the listeners that aren't aware, can you tell them more about this part of Grenada's history, please? Um, to be honest, I don't know a lot about it. Um, I know that, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to get anything, anything wrong, but there was a, a corrupt leader um, in the 70s in Grenada. He was the first leader after um, independence, Eric Gehry. And, yeah, the, the situation in Grenada, he, he made it quite difficult. You know, like I said, housing was very expensive. Food prices had gone up loads. Um, yeah, like with a lot of Caribbean islands, they were like mono, monocrop cultures. So they had, which meant that they were exporting loads of food, um, but they had to import loads of food to make up for what they weren't growing on the island. Um, so food prices are really, really high. Um, and yeah, and so there was a revolution. Um, and, you know, there was a revolutionary government for a bit as well, but though because of the US invasion, that was kind of dismantled. But yeah, so the 70s and 80s were, um, yeah, a very interesting time in Grenada. Uh, yeah. So if you had to pick three things that you love most about Grenada and the Grenadian culture, what would they be? Three things. Um, 
yeah, definitely the food has to be. Um, I don't listen to a lot of music from Grenada. Um, it's more Trinidadian music that I listen to, but you know, I've I've read a lot about the history of music in Grenada, and you know, I guess that has to be there as well. And then, yeah, I would say the land, you know, all the the land and the sea, definitely. I just love the green and the, the clear, clear ocean around it. Yeah, that's definitely my top three. So you talked about the food right there. What is your favourite Grenadian dish? My favourite Grenadian dish... That's a good question. Um, anything like anything that they do with vegetables is always good. Um, yeah, I can't think of one thing, but there's just so many like green dishes that they do in Grenada. Um, and you know, you know, they they have food from across the Caribbean that they cook really well in Grenada. Um, I guess because of all the kind of inter Caribbean migration. You can find a lot of Caribbean dishes there, um, rotis and kind of acting salt fish and things like that. So before we get on to another one of your selections, can you share with us the kind of music that you grew up listening to in your household? Um, everything. Um, yeah, a bit of everything. Um, reggae, of course soul jazz rock um yeah growing up I, I listened to it and I still do listen to a wide range of things just because of both my parents musical interests you know there was some crossover but they were quite different and um, so I got to hear a lot of everything which was really nice we're going to move on to your next selection which is Bob Marley and the Whalers easy skanking why did you choose this selection please yeah so this is I guess the first, so Kaya, I think, was the first reggae vinyl, like, reggae album that I listened to on vinyl. It's from my mum's record collection. And I remember just becoming obsessed with it. Um, after I finished my GCSEs, um, yeah, I would just play Easy Skanking, that first track on repeat. Um, I just remember that summer so vividly because I had the house to myself after I finished my GCSEs. Um, my parents were at work. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I love this track. I, I grew up listening to a lot of different kind of genres, but I think it was around this time that I became really attracted to Roots Reggae, um, both UK and Jamaican artists. You know, I started listening to the Congos at this time, the Abyssinians, Burning Spear, Steel Pulse. I think I was also kind of becoming more politically engaged, um, at this time and I was drawn to sounds that were about liberation and people power and fight and systemic anti-blackness yeah I was really really interested in that and and yeah I was learning a lot in the music at that time you know for me a roots reggae track is like a little history lesson they might sing about a historical figure or, or an event that you'd, you wouldn't necessarily learn about in mainstream education um so yeah, Roots Reggae records are kind of like little archives in themselves. Um, I read a lot by this writer, Chude Soke, and he uses the term echo um, for, for reggae songs, with the original sound being an African sound. And yeah, so I was getting into history at this point too, and you know, that's something that stayed with me, definitely. I think history is something that's important to a lot of Roots Reggae listeners, yeah, that's kind of why I, I jumped at this opportunity to do work at the Black Culture Archives. Um, yeah, I think in recent years we've seen more and more parameters being placed around what counts as British history, um, but Black history, not just Black British history, but Black history is a part of British history. Um, and yeah, Black Culture Archives have such an amazing collection of records um, that shows the presence, both the struggles and the successes of, um, of black people in Britain. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I wanted to play this this track because it's, it was kind of my first interaction with, with Roots music. 
Here we go with Easy Skanking, Bob Marley and Lord the Wailers. about your grandparents, your parents a little bit. You did say that they were teachers. What did they both teach? What is their, their chosen subject? So they both taught languages. Um, they taught French, Spanish. I think my mum taught German for a bit as well. And then my, my dad went into ICT teaching um, after a while. So yeah, they're, they're big into language. <laughs> So I take it they made you multilingual then? They tried. Um, I I um, used to do Spanish lessons, French lessons. I lived also, I lived in Madrid for a year, uh, a few years ago, um, kind of practicing Spanish um, and, and working. But yeah, <coughs> sorry. Um, yeah, they, they tried. <laughs> I'm, I'm not fluent, but I can still I can still hold a conversation in Spanish a little bit. So we definitely want to get into more of your story and your journey. Can you tell yeah. us of your you know your first experiences of the world, whether that be through education, things that you like to do, your passions, your loves? Oh, so many. Um... I guess obviously first and foremost music is my biggest passion and and kind of how I've ended up where I am is through through starting to DJ um, in my late teen years and um, yeah I think DJing has informed my research so much mostly on the on the radio um, but yeah I remember being obsessed with playlists as a teenager and I would make a a kind of weekly playlist on my iPad of new music and old music and mostly old music Um, and yeah I'd take it with me to parties and if there was a chance I would plug my iPod in into the speakers and just kind of play my most recent playlist and yeah I think that's kind of getting people dancing with the music that I was putting on is kind of what what really kind of secured my direction, I guess. Yeah. How was your experience of the education system? Did you enjoy school? Did you meet any opposition at school? Mm. Um, I'd say I enjoyed school to a certain extent. Um, you know, I was I was a very I remember being a very well behaved student. I think. Coming from two parents that were teachers, I understood how tricky a job it was. Um, and so, yeah, I always tried to be on my best behaviour. Um, and I met, you know, some of my closest friends today when I was at school. Um, so I think that was really great. Um, but yeah, I guess I struggled a bit um, in music classes, definitely. Um, and I think... That, a lot of people would say that, you know, the music education, it focuses a lot on classical music in this country, a bit of jazz. Um, but apart from that, you don't always learn about the music that you're listening to. Um, and that meant that I remember in my A-level class, there was only one music student. Like, I was the only one. 
Um, but I knew so many musical people growing up, but people just weren't studying it all the way because because of how the curriculum is, which I think is a really big shame. And, and that's definitely been a big motivation in me doing research on reggae and um, trying to create something that students can use um, in my research, you know, in a subject that they might be more familiar with or more passionate about than maybe classical music or jazz, um, yeah. With your parents both being teachers, do you think that that, um, that hindered you in any way in terms of the other students that you worked with or um, was it a benefit to you? Do you feel like you got an advantage in terms of different strategies on how to work, how to process things, how to remember things? What is your opinion on that? Yeah, I definitely feel very privileged to have grown up with um, parents who are teachers and they support me so much. Um, outside of classes I, I, I never went to either of their schools actually I went to my dad's school for a year um, so but, but you know on the weekends I would help me a lot They and they've been so supportive in kind of my education after school and even doing a PhD um, yeah so I think that has been yeah really really great thing to, to feel so supported in continuing in education and yeah just all, all the help throughout the years especially with read I remember as a child them support me so much in my reading and that's just something that continued throughout so yeah shout out to my parents we're going to move on to another one of your selections which is Cool Breeze by Big Youth can you tell us why you chose this selection please yeah, I guess I chose this one because this is kind of one of the tracks that I remember being on one of those playlists that I was talking about and, um, yeah, playing it at a party and getting people dancing and, and yeah, that that's kind of how my journey began um, into radio. I think I, you know, I kind of went down a radio route because as, as a music student, I used to, I used to play guitar and I used to hate performing so much and I think, yeah, I just hated being on stage and I much prefer the radio setting of kind of being in your own little cocoon in the radio studio and, you know, just being in my own little world, no eyes on me, ears yes, but no eyes and just getting to listen to, just stop and listen to music, I think, for a couple of hours in a day um, and playing, playing music for other people and, yeah, this is a track that I still play a lot now. Here we go with Cool Breeze, Big Youth. Stop that train, I wanna get on. My baby, she's leaving me now. With my baby's going out with another man. And I beg his daughter, Trina, so I gotta get on. See, man, I couldn't let my baby go, you know. Gotta catch your trainers out with me, yeah Good reason for how come I tried But I'm dead dead, I'm a baba shark We are cool as I was in about the fact that you know you played the guitar um, and then your transition from that to becoming a DJ can you tell us where it took you exactly so can you fill in those blanks for us in between on that journey yeah sure I started playing guitar when I was really young maybe five or six um, I started playing classical guitar I'd go to a, a Saturday school um, for, for, for musicians for for years and years um so yeah that's where the journey began and I I really enjoyed it I always enjoyed playing it 
I mean, I wasn't that great at practicing, but I really love playing the guitar. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just got really bad performance anxiety whenever I had to actually play. Um, so yeah, that kind of held me back um, in like later years. Um, but I also was playing still pan at that time. I remember there was a band in my primary school. Um, and then in my secondary school, there was a, a, a big still pan, um, a, a big band. Um, and I played there for a few, with them for a few years as well. So that's kind of what prompted me to study music at GCSE and then go on to do it at A-level. But yeah, within the first year of, of studying music, so I went to Leeds to study music, I stopped playing guitar altogether pretty much. Um, I just, yeah, I, I wasn't enjoying it that much anymore. And I, this is when I was really getting into music history. And, you know, before I moved to Leeds, I'd only really listened to sound systems at Carnival, but I, I was starting to go to a lot of dub nights in Leeds, seeing um, sounds like Iration Steppers, um, and yeah, I just kind of fell in love with the with the bass, of course, but also uh, with the with the person on the mic, the kind of immediate nature of the of the lyrics. Um, yeah, it just made the music really current. Um, you know, the DJ um, and academic Les Henry he calls them newscasters um, because what they're usually chatting about on the mic is what's going on in the community right now. Um, and I love that about sound systems kind of connects, um, the old, with the, with the A side of the record with the kind of what's going on right now. Um, particularly, yeah, in a British context. Um, so yeah, and, and around that time I started DJing basically, um, I first started DJing on the student radio there called LSR. It's a really, really great station. Um, I started playing, uh, I think I got a half hour slot, a solo slot at first. Um, and I produced and presented a show called Music Medicine. And it was based on like the healing power of music. And each week I would pick like a negative emotion, uh, like heartbreak or, or the feeling of being unmotivated and I would play tracks to like counteract that. Um, yeah, not not necessarily reggae, but a lot of reggae. Um, and yeah, and then I started playing on another internet station too um, around this time with a, a family friend, Mighty. Yeah, we used to, we used to do a back-to-back -back show on a Sunday night on fourth generation sound station which was run by dj principal um yeah and i i owe a lot to him um over the years he's been so supportive of me as a dj um both of them have and yeah principal has been a sound man for decades he played in loads of sounds in london and leeds and he started a couple of his of his own um like fourth generation sound system so, yeah, shout out to my DJ, shout out to Principal. We're going to move on to your next selection, which is Uptown Top Ranking by Athena and Donna. Can you tell us why you chose this selection, please? Yeah, I chose this because, it's a, again, it's a track that I play a lot. Um, I think I, f I remember first playing it on, on my show, Music Medicine. Um and it just always gets people dancing, basically. it's. I think for a lot of people, it's such a throwback. Um, and yeah, it's, it's guaranteed to get people on the floor. Here we go with Uptown, Top Ranking, Athena and Donna. Then I know, so we Top Ranking. Uptown, Top Ranking.
through DJing can you give any advice to anybody that is thinking to get into the world of DJing um it, i guess it depends on the genre that, that you're kind of DJing in um but if it's reggae DJing my advice would be yeah internet radio stations um to start off with just because you know you'll meet so many other DJs and I've just found that, that, you know, other DJs are just, there's a big community basically in reggae DJing and other DJs are so supportive and they'll listen to your shows and they'll give you feedback and everyone just wants the station to sound the best, like no matter whose show it is. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend internet stations. Um, that's what, that's basically most of what I've done apart from uh lsr um but yeah in terms of money um you know there's not a lot of money in it i think a lot of people know that and a lot of people don't necessarily get into it for the money they get into it because they like playing music for people um but but it's possible to earn a bit with ads um especially for like local radio um yeah that would be my advice is, yeah, just to to start doing it and, and be welcome to feedback. Um, yeah. So kind of combining your experience as a DJ with your work, you know, researching reggae further, um, you mentioned there about there not being a lot of money in DJing, but there's a lot of DJs that make a lot of money across radios across the world. So why is it, do you think, that reggae specifically doesn't have that investment? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm really not sure, to be honest. I guess, you know, a lot of the music that's in the in the charts at the moment is heavily influenced by reggae and sound system culture in general. So it is a real shame that I guess people just aren't listening to it as much anymore. I don't know. Um, because yeah, I, I completely agree. There are big DJs who are, who are making a, a lot of money from, you know, especially BBC radio and they'll play reggae sometimes, but the actual stations dedicated to reggae, um, yeah, they're just it, yeah. It's harder. For, it's harder for smaller stations to to make anything any money. Because there is a lot of festivals across the globe, um, so there's obviously if there's festivals, if there's live performances, there must be fans. There must be people listening to it. So it's not like it's died off with a generation. Um, no. So what is what is your reasoning behind that? Because, like you say, if if there's fans there, if there's people listening to it, if there's shows being booked, if there's new artists coming out, um, and if, like you said, if the if the pop culture as well are taking elements of reggae and using that as well, it can't have died off with a generation if if all of these things are apparent. So no, it's true. Yeah. Why and do you there, think yeah, it and is? there are so many festivals? I mean, we had City Splash. Is it called City Splash just this week in London? Um, big big festival um, for reggae performers. Um, so yeah, I just don't know. I don't know, and I, and I do think, I do think maybe it will change in the coming years. But it, it's just a hard environment in general in terms of streaming now. I, you know, Spotify have just released their, their DJ app, their like DJ AI thing. Um, so yeah, there's just there's a lot of different ways that people access music now that's not necessarily through the radio. Um, yeah. For any listeners that aren't aware, can you explain what you just talked about the DJ AI for anybody that isn't aware? Yeah, well, it's basically um, a part of 
Spotify that you can access and it will automatically generate songs that it will think that you'll like and it, it will kind of switch it up every few tracks and 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 say so I think it's like a man's voice and he'll just yeah it's kind of like having your own personal DJ um, and you can skip a track if you don't like it um, so yeah I haven't played around with it much yet but it, it's an interesting development definitely so how do you feel about that being a DJ yourself yeah I, I don't know it depends whether people use it I mean Spotify already does something quite similar kind of create a little playlist that will think that you like um so it depends if it takes off or not. I feel like there's there's nothing like an actual person being on the mic when you're listening to the radio and, you know, people love using chat functions on radio stations and, like, being in communication with a DJ and, and with other listeners. I think nothing really beats that, you know, knowing when you're listening to a radio show that, so many other people are listening to it as well and you know creating a community just like that um so yeah let's see what happens with it i don't know if it's going to become like the next i don't don't know if it's going to come and steal real djs jobs or anything like that anytime soon but you just never know so with all of that said, um, and obviously your your great love of music being a DJ and obviously studying reggae as well, what are your thoughts and feelings about AI being used in music? Oh, yeah, that's a very tricky, tricky conversation. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing, really, you know, to be able to create songs that sound like they're created by a specific artist but it's not actually by them um it must be a kind of terrifying to be a musician now and think that that's a possibility um yeah again we'll, we'll see what happens but it's such a new thing and i think you know hopefully as a society we'll find a way to to regulate it so people's artistry isn't just kind of yeah, being reproduced. So as a DJ yourself, would you play AI music or would you boycott AI music? Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't play AI music. Um, yeah, I just don't like the idea of that. Um, yeah, definitely boycott it. So even if it was a big tune, it was the tune of the summer... <laughs> Like, all of that, you, you still don't play it, no? <laughs> I don't think so. Honestly, usually on my shows, I play old music anyway, so I, I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't really fit well anyway. Um, but no, I, yeah, to, I, and I don't want to judge any DJs that would, but um, I personally wouldn't, wouldn't do it. And the reason that you wouldn't do it is that, what's, is there a morality around it, or why is that? Yeah, well, you know, I would rather just play music produced by actual artists, um, by actual people, um, because, you know, I guess the whole point of playing music on on the radio is to kind of spotlight artists, so I would rather spotlight actual, actual artists than kind of people using AI, yeah. We're going to move on to your next selection, which is Pirate's Anthem by Coca Tea featuring Home Tea and Shabba Ranks. Why did you choose this selection? Oh, I love this song so much. Um, I guess I, I picked this one um, because of the message of, of kind of the role of pirate radio um, and just radio produced by black people in general and how it really helped to create communities of belonging in the UK um in the you know in the in the 20th century um and yeah like I said my radio practices really inform my research you know my research methodology like it revolves around sound um it can't not it's about sound um and I'm, I was really influenced by Carolyn Cooper who created the reggae studies unit um at the University of the West Indies, and she talks about the authority of orally transmitted knowledge in reggae research. 
um, you know, sound can transmit knowledge that text can't, in my opinion. Other people might view it in a different way, but I think sound, yeah, is so important in my research. Um, you can hear, in the voice, you can hear so much expression, emotion, environmental sounds, background sounds, like all of that is knowledge. And that's kind of why I decided to focus on recording all histories and other kind of recorded conversations as part of my PhD research. Um, and yeah, I kind of like view them as little radio shows in themselves. Uh, so yeah, that's why I picked this song. Here we go with Pirate Anthem by Coca T featuring Home T and Shabba Ranks. One station it gonna run England, two station it gonna run England, three station it gonna place a nation. Everybody want me listen to the PlayStation. Advertisers still show and make your dance all around. They might take the equipment and I put it in a van. If them broke down one, we make five more strands. Down in England we've got lots of radio stations playing the people music night and day. Calypso, hip hop or disco The latest sound today is what we play All and on, off and on On and off and on If, 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 if them turn it on, we are gonna turn it on back on If them turn it on, we are gonna turn it on back on If, if them broke it on, we are gonna build it on back If them take where we record now you touched a little bit on your works with your PhD. Can you tell us the transition from doing your degree to those works and what those works involve in more detail, please? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I went to Leeds to study music and that's when I started getting into writing about sound systems and reggae and my... And, and just kind of Caribbean music in general. Um, but in my final year, I wrote an essay about reggae and the environmental themes in reggae. And that's kind of what really spurred me on to, to progress um, in, in academia, basically. I had two really supportive lecturers at the University of Leeds who encouraged me to, to take on a master's. And so I came back to London um, and did a master's at SOAS and, and kind of continued that research in, in reggae and the environment. And then, yeah, um, applied for funding for the PhD to, again, to continue research into reggae and the environment and thankfully got some funding. And, yeah, now I'm a, re- a PhD researcher at Royal Holloway, uh, University of London, doing, yeah, doing exactly that. Um, I feel so blessed to be able to study what I love 24-7, basically, yeah. So for anybody that's not aware um, that might be interested in doing a PhD themselves, you mentioned their funding. Can you offer any advice, the route that you went and how you got access to that funding? Yeah, so I guess I relied a lot on other people to help me with the application and all like finding funding. My mum's sister, who works in academia, she helped me so much with finding uh, funding. Um, and then also contacting um, people that would supervise the project and, and they were all really supportive with funding applications. Um, but there's also a lot online um, about kind of funding application guides and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think there is funding out there. Um, and I would just say apply as soon as possible because um, I didn't get it the first round. I had to wait another year and reapply. And so, you know, it might not be successful. It might be successful the first time, but it might not be. And I wouldn't discourage people from not trying again. Yeah, that would be my advice. So more specifically, what are the organisations or who are the best people to speak to? Because like as we talked about earlier, funding within 
you know, within reggae and like you said at the start, within this musical genre is not supported as such. So obviously anybody that want want to to obviously offer them the the um, wisdom of your experience would be really helpful. Um, I would just say other people who are academics in the field that you want to research into. So, so other reggae academics, I feel like they're always really supportive of people who want to research into that area because that's what they're passionate about. Um, so definitely reach out to, to them. Um, yeah, and see if you can do a PhD with them and they, I'm sure that they would support funding in that area um, a funding application in that area yeah so there's Michael Riley who works at the University of Westminster um, who else Les Henry is a big reggae academic um, Julian Henriques who I think is at Goldsmiths I know that he, do, he does a lot of sound system work um yeah, I feel like I'm probably forgetting names, but, but those three definitely in the in a UK context do a lot a lot of work in reggae reggae research. You talked about with regards to your PhD, the environmental themes um, throughout reggae, which is something that is pivotal to your research. Can you explain that further for our listeners, please? Um. Yeah. So I'd say. Yeah, kind of a lot of my research looks at the environment in both the Caribbean and the UK and the idea of kind of uneven racial geographies. I was really influenced by the Canadian academic Catherine McKittrick in that. um, Yeah, just the fact that black and brown people are often on the front line of environmental destruction across the world. Um, but also specifically in a UK context, they're at the back of the line in having access to green spaces. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, a lot of that stuff is in development in my research at the moment. But yeah, that's kind of, and, and I guess where it links into reggae is that a lot of reggae ha- has these environmental themes, uh, specifically themes of, kind of environmental history and that's kind of where the where the next track comes in um i think it just it it shows this so well um all about how the kind of caribbean environment during slavery the era of transatlantic slavery is still relevant today basically what would you say were the most the three most surprising things you find out so far within your research? Oh, three most surprising things. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I guess firstly, I don't know that, you know, the tracks that I look at in my research always surprise me. Um, I would guess, I'd say one thing is kind of how much lyrics are about food in reggae um, that I didn't really realise at first. Um, That's been one big thing. Um, What's another thing? Um, um, I guess another thing is how how willing people are to, to, to share uh, musical experiences I think that's been one thing that's been surprising is people being really open to recording their oral histories um, and that's been really nice I think a lot of people are, are really keen to um, have a record of their, their life in music in reggae um, so that's been yeah that's been a real pleasure um, and then a third thing um, I guess also the the third thing would be how much people have actually written on reggae. I think it it's not it's not always obvious um, or, or easily accessible, but people have written so much amazing 
amazing things about reggae um and it takes sometimes it feels like it takes a while to 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 find it because you know they aren't the best sellers but they're yeah just really people writing really great stuff about reggae once your phd is complete which is the best way for people to access your works I think that was something that was really important to me throughout this experience is making things as accessible as possible and so yeah my thesis I mean it will be online when I when I submit it I think in a day I think you can access theses on a database um but it would be really great to kind of publish it in a book and um yeah just make it more accessible also the recordings that I'm doing as part of the research will all be deposited at the Black Cultural Archives in Brixton at the end. Um, so I hope that, you know, people will be able to access them there whenever they want. Um, yeah, I think that was really important to me was that, you know, it wasn't just this kind of three, four year thing um, that just kind of disappears at the end of it. I want I want people to to be able to engage with the research as much as possible because I think also what I've been realizing is how much of like a, a co-production of knowledge that, that my research is you know it's based off of so many conversations that I've had with people and so many books that I've read and talks that I've been to of other people's so yeah it's it's I don't want it to just be about me at all I wanted it to be like the opposite um and hopefully, you know, that's how that's how it will be. We're going to move on to another one of your selections, which is Words of the Father by Gregory Isaacs. Please tell us about this selection. Yeah, so like I said, I think this song really highlights the relationship to the environmental history of the Caribbean um, and the current context, environmental context that we find ourselves in in the Caribbean and the UK. Um, so yeah, this is this is a, this is a really important tune. Here we go with words of the farmer Gregory Isaacs. I, I won't let you take all the fruits of my soil. Tell us your top five reggae artists. Um, top five. Oh, that's so hard. Um, I would say definitely Ben and Spear. Um, Steel Pulse would have to be in the top five. Coffee as well. I love new artists. Coffee, Chronics, I love. And then one more. Oh, um, I guess I would just have to say Bob Marley and the Whalers. I think those would be my top five. Yeah. But, there, you know, there's so many. Through your research, can you tell us of songs that you feel have been really profound in uplifting the heritage of the Caribbean? Songs, did you say? Yeah. Um, 
in my research, I guess I look at, yeah, all the ones that I look at have kind of got um, environmental themes um, or, or deal with, you know, colonialism and, and, and things like that. So the track that you just played is really big in my research, Word of the Farmer. Um, other tracks, like the, not just Jamaican tracks, but UK tracks, um, Sandra Cross, Country Living, um, Black Roots, Release the Food, uh, what else? Rice and Peas, Roman Stewart, just, yeah, so many, This Land is for Everyone, The Abyssinians, I, you know, I could go on, but, um, yeah, just loads of tracks about the environment in reggae. What do you believe is at the root of reggae music? What do you feel is sets reggae apart from other genres? Definitely the history. Yeah, I think I don't know any other genres that are so kind of history focused. I think. Yeah, it's such a, a powerful thing. You know, it's all about roots and culture and understanding your roots and how that impacts us today and how it will impact us in the future. I think reggae is such an educational tool in that way. And for anybody that isn't aware, I know obviously everybody's a lover of reggae here at Reggae Uprising podcast, but for any people that may be new to reggae, um, can you explain the origins of reggae for our listeners, please? Oh, um, I can try. Um, I mean, you could trace reggae back, you know, centuries. Um, but in a Jamaican context, um, reggae came about kind of end of the 50s, beginning of the 60s, from ska and rock steady. Um, it got a bit slower, and that's kind of where we where we hear reggae and um yeah and then that slowly developed into roots reggae uh towards the end of the 60s and the 70s which was obviously strongly influenced by the Rastafari movement um so many lyrics about are about that so yeah and what would you say um throughout your research the 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 top three themes uh top three themes Blackness is one, um, slavery is another, and yeah, obviously I have to say the environment because that's what my research is all about. Who would you say are your standout new reggae artists of 2023? Oh God, um, I'm not as good with newer reggae artists, but... Um, I guess Savannah is a big new reggae artist, been around for the last five or so years. Um, John Nine has just released some new music. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a I'm more roots reggae and kind of old school stuff, but, but there's a, two big ones that I listen to that are, that are new ones. Moving forward to the future, where do you, where would you like to take, once you've done your PhD, where would you like to go after that? Would you like to stay in the same vein with reggae music or are you going to venture into something completely different? Um, I, I really don't know. Um, I would love to research reggae for the rest of my life, but um, I don't know if that would be possible. Um, but yeah, I guess through working with the Black Cultural Archives, I've definitely become more interested in, like, heritage work. Um, so I would love to kind of continue doing something along those lines in an archive or um, in a library or, or in a community, any community setting. Yeah, that's something that I'm really passionate about is heritage. And what are your dreams, hopes and ambitions for the future of reggae music? dreams hopes for the future of reggae I think like I said it does feel like um, it's been growing a lot in recent years um, 
so I would guess just more of that um yeah kind of more new artists um they're getting paid properly um more festivals especially in the UK I feel like there's so many like reggae and sound system festivals outside of the UK um in in Europe but not as many here um so yeah definitely especially in terms of sound systems I think for them to be properly supported and yeah I think that 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 would be my hope that we can just hear it as much as possible live Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with all of us. We're going to play your final selection, Spirulina by Chronix. Can you please tell us why you chose this selection? I think I just, yeah, I wanted to include a newer track. I mean, even this is quite an old track now, but it's one of the newer tracks that I'm looking at in my research because of how it talks about food and kind of natural eating. Um... And yeah, just to show that young artists, uh, reggae artists and reggae revival artists are concerned with, you know, the climate, nature, the environment. So yeah, that's why I picked this song. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on Reggae Uprising podcast. No, thank you so much for having me, Daniel. It's been so fun. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to connect with this week's guest, that link is in the description for you. If you would like to connect with Reggae Uprising podcast, please do so via daniel.live. So that is D-A-N-I-E-A-L dot L-I-V-E. If you go to daniel.live, go to the contact page there and that is the best way to connect. Obviously, you can do it via where you are listening to Rate Uprising podcast. You can also do it via social media. But the best place, as I said earlier, is via daniel.live. Make sure you're back here next Wednesday for a fresh and new episode. But for now, we're going to leave you the high vibrations of Chronic's Spirulina. I hope you have a wonderful week. And as always, blessed love. Spirulina, build up my confidence. Rastafari, run the continent. This King Selassie, I pay the consequence. Don't get it confused. Give me your bottle of Spirulina. Come make me mix up the roots with Medina. Come off a door and me need feel weak. So me go away. Road and gulling fever What good for your nerves So what's up and support And coconut water If you wash off your heart Hey, Nobody could have said Rasta soft Me gulling fever fast And never fever grass Hey, Spirulina we blending So you know why I'll be spending Every dollar out of me bill fall hey, A bottle of the green And I it make me clean So me skill like Alan still cold If you not get it you will lose Make your food be your medicine Your medicine your food Blend up with carrot with the lettuce in a juice No afraid free mix the vegetable with the fruits ah, Give me a bottle of spirulina And make me mix up the roots with Medina Come off a tour and me need feel weak So me go a whoop road and go link fever hey, Give me a bottle of spirulina And make me mix up the roots with Medina My brother Teflon won't give me a niece We drive go a